You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Because there's a better discipline with CEOs and more and more of the industry as a whole are throwing out free cash flow and that's stupid acquisitions. And so I see that you're going to see more generalists coming in. These CEOs are starting to show rational thinking and respecting shareholders' expectations of rising gold. They're going to get a rising dividend. So we know that half of the S&P performance is rising dividends, growth in dividends along with capital appreciation. And the gold stocks are in that sweet spot for the secular boom move in gold. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by Lumina Gold Corp. Lumina Gold Corp is advancing a 17 million ounce gold deposit in Ecuador. This project is a worldwide top 15 gold development project. Ross Beattie owns 20% of Lumina Gold and it's led by the excellent Lumina Group management team. To learn more, go to luminagold.com. The ticker symbol in Toronto is LUM. And on the OTC, you can find it trading under the ticker LMGDF. Well, my guest today is Frank Holmes, very popular guest in the precious metals and mining sector. He is the CEO and Chief Investment Officer of U.S. Global Investors, where he has been there since 1989, and he's been leading that company. So, Frank, thank you for coming on the show today, and I'd like to get your thoughts first on gold. I heard you recently say on a CNBC interview that gold is going to 4000 which would be a double from where we're at now. What type of time frame are you anticipating for that type of move? I think it's going to, the history of as a case study would be from 2008, nine, the bottom, uh, three years later, gold went from 800, uh, 700, 800 range to 1900. So we take a look at the Federal Reserve's expansionary uh, uh, balance sheet. Uh, the magnitude was 3 trillion back in 08, 09. It's now pushing 10 trillion. So I was forecasting oh, three years out from now, Gold could easily be at 4,000. Many are talking about this is a generational move in gold. Would you agree that the economic situation seems to indicate that? Absolutely. You've been pointing out the 50-day moving average, how it's been trading above the 200-day moving average, uh, that golden cross that traders look to. What happens if that 50-day moving average moves below the 200-moving-day average? Would that affect the way you invest or trade in the gold sector at all? Well, you know, historically, they call that um, the uh, death cross. And and what I try to do is is I have it on YouTube. I explain it um, in a two-minute clip. And, And basically, big institutions we can see in hedge funds, billionaire hedge funds, all of a sudden, all through last year were recommending gold. And you see them just feel more confident to do that. And you also see larger pension funds, etc., slowly move when you start seeing this offer, this trend of the 50 days above the 200 day. When you were uh, interviewed on CNBC, the other gentleman that was engaging uh, your views on gold, he seemed to indicate that it's simple as uh, coming up with a vaccine for the COVID uh, pandemic, and this could potentially you know, inflate the economy and crush gold's run. What are, what are your thoughts here? I think he's so off base. Uh, I think they'll make jets take off. If, if they come with a vaccine, like you, I've flown once in six months, you've just flown, the airline's business would then turn and boom, because people are still afraid. The airports are pretty empty. Planes are much cleaner, 
but they're quite empty. That the vaccine will be a big boom to hotel stocks, hotel ETFs, and airlines. Would you be one that could see gold rising with a sustained rise in the general equities over this three-year period of time? Yes, and that's what makes me very bullish on the gold stocks because there's a better discipline with CEOs and more and more of the industry as a whole are throwing off free cash flow and that's stupid acquisitions. And so I see that you're going to see more generalists coming in. Like we had Bill, on the last big stock cycle was 2002 to 2007, gold stocks far outperformed bullion, far outperformed. And uh, so you can have this gold rally. Uh, and we could have these gold stocks rip like we're seeing Barrick today. And Barrick's ripping on the heels of the news that Warren Buffett took a position. What do you think's going on here with Warren Buffett? Well, he's turning 90 in a couple of weeks, so his whole paradigm and view of the world at his age, uh, you know, if you catch the coronavirus at his age, it's tough to survive. Uh, and so I think he became fearful of the airlines. He's fearful of uh, all this money printing. Uh, and, and he's quite often said that he doesn't like gold itself because it doesn't produce anything, but he likes now gold companies. And I think that's because what we just talked about, these CEOs are starting to show rational thinking and respecting shareholders' expectations of rising gold. They're going to get a rising dividend. So we know that half of the S&P uh, performance is rising dividends, growth in dividends along with capital appreciation. And the gold stocks are in that sweet spot or the secular boom move in gold. I've talked to many gold stock fund managers who have articulated to me that they don't want to see dividends on a lot of the major gold producers increase too quickly. They would rather see that money reinvested in production growth or acquisition. What would you like to see? The only problem that history is, this is just history. The history is that um, 95% of these M&A jobs dilute the revenue per share dilute the cash flow per share and the reserves per share. So yes, the entity has a bigger uh, set of uh, financials saying revenue and cash flow, but on a per share basis, it's diluted. So those stocks underperform. So there's very few acquisitions where they're actually accretive. So that's why I'm such a, a second guesser with it. And I think that they just have to not just grow for the sake of growth because their track record sucks. I've been through so many cycles. This track record is deplorable. And investment bankers running around for their 6% fees because there's no money in trading stocks on a commission basis just, just try to force everything into these companies, and they don't work. You created a gold ETF called GoAU, the U.S. Global Gold, Gold, and Precious Metals Miner. How does this ETF compare to GDXJ? What's your advantage? Well, we have a much smaller number of names. Two, we pick the names. Uh, one is 30% of the portfolio are royalty companies. 70% uh, are actively repositioned every quarter based on market cap down to $200 million. Uh, it's a very dynamic portfolio structure in addition to spending 8,000 hours of backtesting of looking for those factors that help drive stock prices. So if you look at the great success of Kirkland Lake, um, not now, but going this year, going back – four years, you've seen that run for three years, uh, it had the highest revenue per share growth. And we know that if you have strong revenue and cash flow, that the non-gold fund managers buy your stock too, because so, you qualify at that growth category, like a technology stock. Uh, and so we're very focused on those companies that are 
very inexpensive on an EBITDA to cash flow basis uh, to, to uh, their enterprise value, or we're looking for that momentum. And once a company does something, stub their toe, that they're not in the, those top 25 names of strong free cash flow, uh, strong uh, revenue per share growth, then we kick them out. And we also look for how smart management is, if they have to be in that top half of cash flow returns on invested capital. If they, if they do anything to destroy that, we don't listen to their story. They're gone, Bill. And, and they must reset that button every quarter to see how they're managing relative to their peers. And what do you? What type of inflows have you been seeing in the past six months? Have you been seeing the millennial Robinhood traders or uh, smart money? I mean, what what type of uh, money has been flowing into this ETF? Smart money was early, like I call really smart early, and then we started to see institutions coming in. There are other fund managers and take a didn't want to start trying to pick the gold stocks, but they like that it's a discipline. It's not just buying market cap. When your readers, listeners go and buy GDX or GDXJ, there's money going into bad stocks and good stocks. What we're doing is saying, no, we only want the stocks with the strongest fundamental factors. And, and we're agnostic to the narrative that it's a great project. It's got a problem. It'll turn around. We don't want to buy it until it is turned around. Uh, and and so we think that that's a real key factor for success. So what happened with that is we started seeing the millennials coming into it through the Robert Hoods. You can see just a beautiful growth in as it's been rising through it. But we've also had um, three, two, one gold. We've had uh, Kitco people coming in through those, clicking through uh, those type of uh, venues, uh, interested in something that's sort of more intelligent, which is called a smart beta. 2.0 uh, to pick these gold stocks. Frank, how do you play the volatility in your own personal investing and at uh, U.S. Global Investors, the prep, the volatility in a gold and silver bull market? I write about it often. If you visit the website at usfunds.com, uh, there's a section there that talks about managing expectations. And as Warren Buffett had the great line, he said, if you want to have a long-lasting marriage, have low expectations. And therefore, everything is on the upside. Um, and, and uh, but the point is that I'm trying to help people understand the DNA of volatility. And I go through and I talk about this in more explicit detail that every asset class has its own DNA of volatility. And you must recognize that before you jump into buying them. So, in fact, most of those talking heads are anti gold on CNBC. The DNA of volatility of gold is exactly the same as the SP 500. At 1%, 70% of the time, it's a non event to go. Up or down 1%. Over 10 days, up or down 3%. Now, both S&P and gold are the same, but gold stocks are 2 to 1. And if you go to Bitcoin, it's 5 to 1. So the daily volatility for Bitcoin is 5%. Um, and and uh, we look at gold, it's 1%. So once you understand that volatility and you get these two standard deviation moves where it has this big move, and I like to use 60 trading days, then I like to take profits. And anytime it falls back to the mean, then I like to buy buy more. Uh, and those volatility swings in gold are uh, sigmas about 6%. So a two segment would be 12%. And for gold stocks, they, they've been known many times to correct 25%. And then they rip to new highs. Are you still bullish on cryptocurrencies? I am. You know, this whole money printing is just unprecedented. 
Uh, and uh, I see that China just threw another $100 billion into their economy for money printing. Um, two weeks ago, Europe, with a, a green bond issue, was $800 billion uh, to spend money to create jobs, an uh, economy, that, but it has to be green-orientated. Frank, you're in America now, but you're originally from Canada. Do you think that gold, physical gold confiscation is a possibility in this country? Oh, who knows? You know, I never uh, really got paranoid over it that way. So I've always recommended that people take, they want to own gold, buy 24 karat gold jewelry. And remember that Indian women wear, um, they have, they wear something like four times the amount of gold that's in Fort Knox. It's called the great love trade. And, and you get to wear your gold. Uh, and Monet is a site that you can buy 24 karat gold jewelry, uh, just like on Amazon. Uh, and they'll also buy back from you uh, at a small markup uh, at any price. So that's one place. The other one is, is to buy quality gold stocks. So having a 10% weighting in gold is just prudent and wise. And if you're going to, and I know when they went to confiscate gold last time, it was predominantly just wafers of gold. So if you have numismatics, uh, they're not going to take that. And if you have 24 karat gold jewelry, they're not going to take that. So if you, that's one way to play that concern. What type of uh, junior gold stocks have you been investing in? Are you able to share any information there? Well, there's some explorers we've been participating in and probably, you know, the cheapest stocks out there is called Grand Columbia, GCM. And uh, in our model of all the gold producers out there, it has number one highest free cash flow yield of 15%. It's the cheapest cash flow multiple and is number five ranked out of all the 100 gold producers or 75 that you can buy easily in North America. Um, it is ranked number five. So that means it has the highest cash flow returns on invested capital. It, and so stocks like that, um, uh, I love. And uh, who used to have a big position in it was, was Sprott. And uh, so Sprott's tra traded out of that position. Uh, and going to more speculative stocks. I'd rather own a stock like that because you're seeing the Chinese roaming through Latin America. Uh, they bought another gold mine in, that did, from Newmont um, Continental. Uh, and I think that they're going to take a look at, they spent something like commitment of $7 billion to build a subway system in Bogota, um, a, a super train railway from Medellin to the Pacific. And, um, and they bought a gold mine. Uh, so this would be an operating gold mine. It's the biggest in Latin America, uh, in the, sorry, in, in Colombia. So I think things like that are easy to take out. And the stock trades at six and a half, probably worth 12 bucks on a relative basis. Are you in deploying any cash into the base metal miners? I love copper gold porphyries. I think that's my favorite. So you get gold and you get copper. And, and, uh, and that's been the conversation regarding when you buy Newmont and you buy a barrack, you're also getting copper. And if you're worried about the coronavirus and uh, coronaviruses, other viruses, they don't live on gold. They can't live gold, silver or copper. But are you are you bullish on just some of the other base metals like uh, zinc? No, nah, not as much. No, it's zinc, you need cars. You have to get the car industry turning. You mentioned the Jets ETF earlier. I'd like to go back to that. Like you referenced, we both uh, went on an airplane recently and at Detroit International when I went through, that was the first time ever where I walked right up to T, the TSA agent, and they screened me right through with literally not waiting in a line at all. And then when I flew into Denver, United had their planes literally parked on the taxi runway, unused 737s. 
what type of time frame do you think is this airline trade? What should we be anticipating here? You know, it's a great question, uh, uh, Bill, because I was wondering, you know, where all these millennials are coming in. And, and we have incredible flows. We had a record uh, at the end of uh, February going into March. The uh, the ETF analyst, uh, Balkunis, Eric, with Bloomberg, called up and did a TV interview. And he said, the three cheapest ETFs in the world is Nigeria, coal, and jets. Why jets? I know why I don't like Nigeria or coal. And it was pretty funny. And that thing ran <clears throat> all weekend globally. And uh, we started seeing these flows coming in. And a lot of institutions that wanted to short hedgies, wanted to short American Airlines uh, and they, their balance was to put $10 million into jets and short $10 million with the uh, airline stocks individually that had the worst balance sheet. So we saw that trade, but we saw these millennials coming and coming it was unprecedented. Uh, that all of a sudden we had 20,000 names where, where they were so patient in buying all through March, April, and May. Buffett comes out with his negative story, and a week after that, they take off 50%. So during that process, I, I started inquiring and I find out that the majority of them learned, they've been stuck, they've been locked up, uh, and they knew a lot about flying. They knew the best airplanes to fly, the cheapest tickets to fly. They knew they loved experiences, so they would fly all over the country uh, to enjoy themselves. That's what they did with their disposable income. And all of a sudden, the checks they got from Trump went into the stock market, 70% of those funds. Uh, they became day traders. They started using the internet to research. And guys were coming back saying that uh, the majority of them used podcasts and uh, YouTube to learn uh, and that they uh, understood previous big sw swings, such as 9-11. The airlines shut down around the world for a week. They came back. Six months later, they're up 80 percent. SARS comes out. They collapse in Asia. Nine months, six months later, they're up 120 percent. At uh, 2008, 2009, President Trump, sorry, Obama comes in, uh, and uh, in March of 09, he starts inject 700 billion into the economy, and six months later, the airlines are up 80 percent. So they're all betting that you're going to get this swing move, uh, a macro swing move, and they jumped uh, something like almost 57 percent the first big surge. So would the first headline that speculators listening to us, if you see something related to the vaccine or hydroxychloroquine is the solution, a headline like that, jets would be a good speculation potentially on the rebound of the airline industry. Huge. Any other asset classes before you go, Frank, that you're looking at that you'd like to share with my listeners? Like I love those stocks when they make an announcement and track. Uh, they're hiring people. When they're hiring people, that's a great first mover advantage of something's, something's happening there. And you can see with Chipotle in the restaurant business, they had a superior delivery model. They hired 10,000 people uh, because they had to fulfill their obligations to their, their customers. Uh, and California Kitchen goes bankrupt. Big stocks. Um, Home Depot. Uh, you know, those, I've been noticing that and we own it because their parking lots were full uh, all during the lockdown. Uh, and everyone's renovating. So I think it, uh, you got to look at Peter Lynch's great book, uh, One Up on Wall Street, is try to keep your eyes open to look where people are going, look where money's being spent. And you can see that uh, in those industries. So Amazon said in March they're going to hire 100,000 people. Well, that was a precursor to them all of a sudden exploding uh, in that during that, the, the um, uh, lockdown. So I think for investors, it's just use your common sense to see where, where money's going. And Frank, as we conclude, uh, what can investors find at usfunds.com? Well, we've won 88 awards 
for educational information. So we have rich content on the history of markets, the volatility, and and really uh, they should look up the information on Purchasing Manufacturers Index, PMI. It's a great leading indicator for commodity demand. Uh, when China w- went above the one month, above three months, uh, several months ago, oil bottomed and took off. The correlation is so high. Uh, and it's a great precursor uh, to understand forward-looking. Excellent. The website, again, is usfunds.com. You've been listening to Frank Holmes, the CEO and Chief Investment Officer. Frank, thanks for coming on today's show. And uh, good luck to you, and happy investing to all your subscribers. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.